This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. So now Posey ranges away, and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy, and there's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, here we go. Next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. And not just alongside Joe Shasky, it's Mark Willard. Uh, With this particular episode, as promised, very special guest, someone who has been following the team for a very, very long time. And uh, and even though he has now moved into, I'm going to use air quotes, retirement, uh, your perspective on the Giants still counts a whole lot, Hank Showman. And so we're, we're really excited to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let, let's dive in I, uh, immediately to, to, I think, where most fans are. And, and, and that is there, there seems to be a pretty, and maybe this is just a social media thing. Maybe it's very real. I, w- I wonder your thoughts, having been through the ups and downs with this team through the years. The frustration level that currently sits there from the fans. Um, do you feel like this is in a in a sort of a heightened space as compared to where it usually is, especially for a team with a a winning a winning record. I mean, they really raised expectations by winning 107 games last year, and on top of that, you know, they're supposed to be on a on an upswing from the time that Farhan Zaidi got hired, and. You know, a lot of things that have been beyond the organization's control, including the COVID uh, pandemic and whatnot, have slowed the process of what really has been and is a rebuild, even though they won 107 games last year. And I imagine the fans are frustrated. I will say that I think social media uh, is is really like about 5% of the fans. I mean, I, I don't think that social media is a good gauge of uh, what the ordinary fan Maybe maybe what the ordinary fan is thinking, yes, but the sort of level of anger and frustration. I think that I think that the fans understand, or the majority of fans understand, that um, last year would be would be tough to repeat without uh, you know really kind of uh, kind of adding to the team uh, and bringing prospects up, and uh, it just really hasn't worked this year for a variety of reasons. And I think whatever frustration there is now, as they see. Um, that other teams uh, have did get better in the in this division in the off season. Um, the Giants, uh, you know, they got better on the pitching staff by signing three starters, which they really needed more than anything, uh, but really didn't do anything to improve the offense other than sign Jock Peterson. And especially in a year when they lost Buster Posey, who was such a, such a key part of the defense or sort of part of the offense last year, I think there's some 
I would say frustration and throwing up hands of, hey, you know, why are we in this position when the Dodgers, who had everything they already needed, went out and get they got Freddie Freeman and, um, you know, thing, things like that. So when you look at the Dodgers, and you know, it's hard for me to not look at just attendance in general. You're talking about the the basic fans, and and I do think that times are hard right now for a lot of people financially, and that's an element of it. And you could blame stars or not having stars, but I look at the Dodgers, and they're just packed with stars. Does that make it more prudent to stay the course, or does that make you want to be more aggressive to try to counteract how great they are right now? Well, for one thing, I've always believed what Brian Sabian said, and and I've I've always you know felt that this was smart. No, you you don't you build your team, okay? You build your team and don't worry about what the other teams are doing because when you start worrying, when you start trying to build your team based on what the other teams are doing, uh, then you end up making a lot of mistakes. And I also think it's a terrible mistake. I I keep seeing fans on social media, and again, I'm sure some fans who aren't on social media feel this way, but. I keep seeing fans on social media saying, well, if we ever want to get attendance back up, we're going to need to get, we're going to need to do this and get this star and that star. And you know what? The minute uh, a, a team organization starts making moves based on attendance, that's the moment when they've given up on truly building a, um, a contender year after year after year. And they're making moves for the wrong reasons. Uh, the Giants Look, if you go out and uh, – I mean, the Giants are never going to get Soto. But if you did go out and get Soto, um, you would do it because it would help your team this year. It would help your team for at least two more years. And if it raises attendance, okay, so be it. It raises attendance. But that's not why you do it. Um, why so dismissive of the idea of the Giants going to get Soto? Oh, gosh. I mean, the Giants don't have nearly what it would take. And oh. even if – even if uh, you know, the, the, the GM of the, uh, the nationals. I mean, even if Rizzo said, okay, I like this player, this player, this player, and this player, and that's what I want for Soto, the giants would be fools to give all that up. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, look, they're going to, they're going to want uh, Logan Webb absolutely for starters, because they've made it clear through some of the national media, the, the nationals have made it clear that they don't just want prospects who are major league ready. They certainly don't want prospects who are down in the low minors. Um, they want major league ready players and they want young controllable major leaguers. Well, the giants have one, the giants have one controllable young major leaguer who you could even have in a conversation about Soto. And that would be Logan Webb. Now go to the prospects. There is no possible way. And if I'm proven wrong, you can play this clip for, in, you know, till eternity, if, but this is what I believe. Plus Logan Webb as a starter, they're not doing uh, Juan Soto without Kyle Harrison. And to me, Kyle Harrison, not just to me, to a lot of people, this is going to be a general generational pitcher. Hmm. Um, this is going to be a guy who's going to have an impact if he stays healthy that Bumgarner had, that Kane had, that Lincecum had. And I know your people are going, well, yeah, they'd be trading him for a generational player. But that generational player is only going to be under contract for two more years, and then he can do whatever he wants and go wherever he wants. Kyle Harrison could be the ace of this rotation for six years when he gets up here if he stays healthy. And there's very few people who think uh, – who are even concerned that he's going to fail in any regard. So that's two players right off the bat, and they're going to want more than two. 
okay? They're, they're going to want to at least talk about Luciano. They're going to at least want to talk about Matos. They're at least going to want to talk about Bednar. And one other thing, and this is a good point that Buster only made the other day, Rizzo in, in Washington is not a guy who just throws out uh, a bunch of names knowing he can't get them. And then when the other team says no, he goes, okay, let's negotiate. He doesn't do that, okay? He says, these are the players I want. And if you can't give me these players, I'm just going to move on to the next team. Because believe it or not, he doesn't have to trade Soto. And that's what he, that's what he did really last, last year with Scherzer. I mean, he wanted the prospects from San Diego. And that was the team he was willing to deal with. And that's the team he did deal with. And the only reason that they turned back around to – uh, Los Angeles was because uh, Scherzer uh, would only go to Los Angeles, the only place he would go. Um, and Soto doesn't have that right. And he and Soto's not a free agent. He's got two years left on his contract. So Rizzo is going to get the players he wants. And I don't think, A, the Giants have those players, and I don't think, B, the Giants should give them up, even if they did. Hank, you referenced a lot of the the prospects. I feel we're we're really far removed from the end of the Sabian Bobby Evans era to where we are now. How would you rate Farhan over the last couple of years as someone who saw the great dynasty that they put together, and then you saw the very end of it, kind of the embers just flaming out and kind of starting from scratch? How would you rate it right now um, as someone who has a really good feel for the history of this organization? Well, I mean, for, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things you're looking at. I mean, the three things you're looking at are free agency and trades. That's kind of one thing. The, the farm system is another thing. And then just sort of filling in the pieces, uh, which is the third thing. And I think we all can agree. I don't think there's any debate whatsoever that Farhan has completely excelled at the filling in part of it. I mean, he put together a 107-win team with a bunch of guys that you wouldn't like that other teams got rid of, uh, which is what, you know, essentially the Dodgers did with Chris Taylor and uh, Justin Turner and Max Muncy. And of course, Farhan worked for Andrew Friedman. So he knows how that works. The, the Giants do an excellent job on, on that. And, and really, you know, this year, Luis Gonzalez is that guy. You gotta, you gotta throw him in, in there too. Um, a, as one. Uh, and some of the guys in the bullpen that they've picked up, um, then you look at free agency and trades. Well, with free agency, they, they really haven't been going after the big guys because they really haven't been in the sort of place that you need to be as a franchise to make those, those big moves. Th those big moves are the moves you make when you just need a piece or two to become a really solid World Series contender. Now, you know, ownership wanted them to go after Bryce Harper, uh, Farhan's, I, you know, Farhan said he was behind it. Whether he was or not, I don't know. That one didn't work. Um, and, uh, you know, they offered him, they did offer him, uh, you know, like 12 or 13 years. That one didn't pan out. But otherwise, you know, you're, you're looking at filling in with guys like Wilmer Flores, who was a really good sign. Uh, Tommy Listella, who has not been a good sign. Um, so, and, and, and the trades he's made thus far have been in that level too, because they're just sort of placeholders for the time when the prospects could come up. And that brings you to the third point. And really the jury is still out on the drafts and the international signings. Um, it, it really hurt. It really, really hurt a team like the giants who, uh, whether you called it a three-year plan or a four-year plan or a five-year plan to draft all these guys, um, in 19, which was his first draft, Varon's first draft. All of a sudden, you get to 2020, 
and there is no minor league season whatsoever. I mean, that's a killer for a team like that. And, and the, jur- the jury is still out. I mean, uh, you know, Luciano, I mean, he's still only, I don't know, 20 or 21. Um, and, and he got hurt this year. So, you know, will he be up next year? No, probably not. But would he have been up here if he stayed healthy and there was a 20 season? Probably. Harrison, I think, could be vying for a rotation spot next year at some point. Um, you know, on the, on this team, uh, Matos is, is a guy who, uh, sort of, uh, he's always been a decent prospect, but he sort of rose it, took it to the next level. And, but, but, but the truth is to be 100% percent honest, there is nobody who's just on the verge of coming up and being the Michael Harris that Atlanta has, or the Adley Rutschman who, um, you know, that the Orioles have. But you, you also have to give Farhan the break because of what happened in 2020. And if you look, you can do this, and, and the listeners can do this too. If you go to baseballreference.com, they have a great tool where you can look at all the drafts. You can do it by round. You can do it by franchise. And look at all the players who were drafted in, in 2019 and 2020 after the Giants picked. You know, So, for instance, the Giants of 2019 uh, – Farhan took Patrick Bailey with the first pick. Now that his first pick, that has not worked out. There's a bunch of guys above Patrick Bailey who they didn't get, um, who have made it to the majors and have done okay. But really, nobody who has who was picked after uh, Patrick Bailey in the first round in 2019, aside from Alex Manoa, the Blue Jay starter, and Michael Harris, who was taken in something like the fifth round by the Braves. They're the only two players who have come up to the majors from the 2019 draft and made any kind of difference. So every team has been hurt by losing the 2020 season. The Giants uh, system has been hurt a little bit by injuries and bad luck. Will Wilson, I think, was the closest maybe to coming up. They moved him up to AAA. Now all of a sudden he's got a broken hammock. He has to have surgery. He's out six weeks. So I think it's going to be another year or two before you can really do a true assessment of how far Han did on that third and most important aspect which is the system hank i i think you're doing a, an unbelievable job of sort of helping everybody understand the timing of this whole thing but you also understand the impatience of fans and and so whenever a star's name is out there everybody really starts to salivate if not juan soto do you think that aaron judge is the type of a player farhan would go after oh absolutely uh especially now that there's uh, a dh in the National League. And, and believe me, that is not a comment on Aaron Judge's defense. I am amazed by how well Aaron Judge can play the outfield at six foot seven. Now, Yankee Stadium is a little bit different than Oracle. You're not going to stick the Judge out, you know, in, in one of the tougher positions out there. But Judge has also had an injury history. Um, and I think it would be important for a player like that. And he's finally, you know, he looks like he's finally getting ready to play a full season. He did last year as well. But, you know, here's a guy you want to get off his feet every once in a while. And he, but, but, but the two things that are just kind of critical here. One, he's got incredible right-hand, right-handed power, which plays much better at, at Oracle Park than left-handed power. And I don't care, other than Barry Bonds, I don't care who the left-hander is, whether it's Soto or not. It's better to have right-handed power. And two, I believe he's motivated to come to his hometown team, the team he rooted for as a kid. Now, does that mean that he will come to the Giants for less money? I don't think so. Nobody comes to, nobody goes anywhere for less money. But, you know, Judge is still at an age where, and, and, and with the power that he brings, um, I think it, it would be a no-brainer to make a good run at him 
next year uh, because I think he would improve the offense. And believe it or not, I think he would improve the defense. We are about, I don't know, seven, eight day, days away from this trade deadline. What do you think they should do with Carlos Rodon? Should they sell him? Should they try to extend him? What's your guess on this? You know, um, if you had asked me that a week ago, I would have said trade him. Uh, because I just assumed, like everybody else, he had another year left on his contract. And there's – I mean, if you really want to get difference makers when you trade a starting pitcher – um, real difference makers. You, you, it's really good to have a guy who's going to be controllable for the next year. But as I learned, because I, I don't cover the team, I didn't know this, um, but he, uh, he earned, Rodon earned the right to opt out of his contract by pitching at least 110 innings this year. And he pitched his 110th inning at Dodger Stadium the other night. So now you're talking about a guy that is a rental. He's essentially a rental. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know that it's, you know, I don't know what they could get for him. If there's a team that's really desperate for starting pitching and, and could give away, you know, would be willing to give away with a, a prospect who could maybe be an everyday player in the near future or a young controllable player uh, that they could have for, for five, four, five, six years, it might be worth trading him. I think it would be at this point, I think it would be foolish of the Giants to not entertain uh, a really good trade for Radon uh, for the right to maybe vie for the fifth or sixth uh, National League playoff spot. Did this series against the Dodgers change your thought on that? I mean, the Giants have been very hesitant to say that they'd entertain anything that is seen as quote-unquote selling. But did, mm -hmm. did these four losses change that? You think? No, no. I, I kind of was in that frame of thought already before this series. I mean, look, the, the Dodgers came into this with a – a winning streak, and they had won, I don't know what the numbers were, 15 out of 17, 14 out of 16. And, um, you know, the, the Giants just, to me, what they, what they have on the field right now is not fixable without a massive overhaul. And, um, you, uh, you know, the, the problem is Belt, uh, you know, Belt, Belt contributes when he's healthy. But if, if you don't have your legs underneath you, you can't hit consistently. Um, Crawford... Uh, you know, he, he, he's just been a little unlucky with his injuries. I mean, I, I thought he was, you know, I, I mean, his legs, have, he's had a history of leg issues, uh, but they really aren't the reason he wasn't hitting this year. I, I could have believed that Crawford, still could believe that Crawford could end up hitting. Um, and, and, and Longoria just seems to be a lost cause in terms of keeping him healthy this year. And the problem is you have all these role guys uh, who now have to play out of position. I mean, the Giants should not have your mean Mercedes starting in left field and they certainly shouldn't have them in left field in the late innings of a game that's tied. Uh, now I understand it's Sunday's game. Yastrzemski uh, uh, wasn't available because he had some yeah. sort of leg thing, so he couldn't play. Um, but it just, the defense is just, you're, it's just not going to snap to it overnight. And, and that's just <laughs> absolutely killing them. The, the bullpen right now is not in good shape. Um, it's just hard for me to believe that they can turn this around and be a competitive enough team to actually challenge for a pennant uh, without bringing in three, four guys to, you know, to, to really fix this. And I, I just don't know that it's worth it for them to try. Yeah, I'm with you. It's one of the worst defensive teams that I can remember in my lifetime watching every single day. One of the worst base running teams that I can remember as well. Um, 
Gabe Kapler and how he's managing things. You, you referenced kind of one of these things with your mean out in left field. A lot of people have been frustrated with the platoon thing. I actually think that all the platooning and the playing of the numbers has gotten them to this point. I don't even think they – I think they've overachieved, which I think is probably – Sounds crazy to some people, but it feels like they've overachieved, and that's because of Kapler. How would you assess Gabe Kapler's handling this year, maybe in contrast to last year when everything was magic? Well, I, I think he's doing the same things. He's doing it with an inferior roster. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, uh, last year he had Buster Posey, uh, so there was an anchor to that lineup. He had a, a Brandon Belt who was hitting like crazy. He had a Brandon Crawford who put together – an MVP type season. He had Lamont Wade come out of the, uh, the clouds and, and become late night Lamont. And he's got none of that this year. He's, he's got absolutely none of that. And uh, I know people are frustrated. I mean, Brandon Belt was frustrated. I, I don't exactly know why, again, I don't cover the team. I don't talk to Kapler and Zaidi regularly. Um, it, you know, Belt has, has been okay against left-handed uh, he, pitching. Uh, some, sometimes he's even better against left-handed pitching, depending on where he is in his swing. And he's not even allowed to play against left-handers, which again, that just is it's one of those things that shows you when, when you have to platoon and he feels he has to do that with Brandon Belt, you're making your defense worse. Because somebody who is going to be inferior to Belt is going to have to move over to first base um, and play defense. And, you know, you saw with Lamont Wade the other night, he couldn't make a play, and um, all hell broke loose, and the Giants ended up losing a game they could have won. And then you take a player uh, like him and make him play first base. Then you got to put somebody in the outfield who's not as good a defensive player. And it's just sort of a daisy chain effect like that. Um, and, I mean, I, look, uh, I, I would like to see him uh, just stick Villar out there every day right now to see what he can do. I don't know. I, I you know, I know Listella is coming back. I don't think they're going to have Listella play third base right now or anywhere in the field. So I think they are going to look at Villar. Um, but I'd rather, like, if another opening came up, I'd rather see Villar there every day than them bringing up Vossler, for instance, uh, and having him play. Um, I, I would like to see a, a consistent infield for a while uh, with uh, Villar at third, Crawford when he comes back at short, Belt at first. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe Flores at second, which is probably a better position for him to play. Um, and, but, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. And uh, I, I've, heard, I've seen fans say that he's become predictable with the moves he's going to make. Well, yeah, because that's the plan. That's the whole scheme of the team. It was predictable last year. The only difference was these guys were coming through. Hank, uh, earlier you talked about a team would be making a mistake if they start reacting to attendance and trying to make moves based on attendance. But let's go back to attendance because you got a lot of people with different perspectives as to why the attendance is dropping. And I wonder what your take is. Well, look, look, let's start. Let's start with the fact that um, they're not as good on the field. Okay. You have to have a compelling reason uh, to come to the ballpark, especially if you live far away. And the Giants, on top of being uh, a 500 team, are boring. You know, they're boring. There's, there's, no, there's, there's nobody who says, oh, you know, I really want to go see that guy play, unless it's a guy from the other team coming in, you know, if a Nationals come in. That's number one, okay? Number two, and this is huge, and nobody talks about this very much, but Oracle Park, or uh, is that what it's called now? Oracle Park yeah. is <laughs> – is very much a downtown ballpark that draws a lot of people who work downtown, get off work, 
hop on Muni, take the walk across Market Street, go down to the ballpark and, and buy tickets and catch a game or buy tickets in advance, knowing they're going to go to the game. And and look at look at the uh, you know, look how many people are working downtown now. Um, people aren't working downtown. I mean, companies are just now beginning to make their employees come to San Francisco um, to, to work because of the pandemic. Uh, all the big companies like Salesforce and Twitter and uh, yeah, Facebook and everybody who has a presence in the downtown area, their people are all still working at home at, at least a few days a week. And, and uh, I, that's hurt attendance. And I've, you know, I've actually had Giants people tell me this when I was still writing in 20 or, you know, when I was, uh, you know, still writing in 2020. Um, and, and they were predicting to me that when 2021 started, if, if people didn't come back to the office, attendance was going to go down. And that's, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and, and, you know, furthermore, the, the ticket prices are still, you know, pretty well up there. Um, and uh, I realized, you know, on the secondary market, you, you know, they you can get them for cheap, especially at the last minute. I just bought a couple of tickets for a game I'm going to uh, with my girlfriend in, um, you know, it, it's like a Monday night game against the I forget who Padres, I think. And I was able to get tickets for prices in the club level that I'd never gotten them before. So the dynamic pricing thing mm-hmm. is helping right now a little bit with, um, you know, prices going down. Uh, but I, I think you t- look, I, I, th- I think there's got to be a compelling reason to come to the ballpark. And, and, and yes, having superstar players would be that compelling reason. That is a cause and effect. I just don't think you should take that to the next level and say, well, I'm going to bring in a shiny ring, shiny bauble here, so I can bring in three or 4,000 more people per game. Um, if, if it, it you know, means that I'm going to set back this consistency in winning like we had in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, you know, in the even numbered years there, all the way through 2016, when the Giants were the best franchise in baseball. Hank, two quick questions on your way out the door. Yeah. Who was the one San Francisco Giant that you couldn't wait to get to the ballpark to go see? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a great question. I, I think at the top of the list would have to be Timmy. Uh, I, you know, I mean, he was just so different. Um, and there was just such a vibe in the stands and on the field, even in the press box. You know, we, we don't we don't root in the press box. I mean, it's legitimate. I mean, we we take a hands off approach because we're supposed to be objective. But but all of us writers would come to work on those days that he was pitching and we would go have a happy Lincecum day. And you have a happy Lincecum day as well. That was like that was the difference, you know, um, than, than any other player. And I so. You know, I, I would say that that he would be maybe the guy more than anybody. I mean, I can't really say I felt that way about Bonds because, you know, if he was playing it, man, I might have to talk to him. Um, and, um, you know, that always made it a bad day. Um, so, uh, I, you know, let's just leave Timmy at the uh, summit there and not, not sully it with a, a number two or a number three. I love it. He, my favorite pitcher of all time. What's the one thing – that you're never going to miss from, from the beat. I mean, one thing, it could be a, you know, dealing with a particular person. It could be some aspect of the job. What's the one thing that you don't miss? Well, there's a lot. So having <laughs> me pick, having me pick one uh, is going to be difficult. Um, he, here's what, I, um, here's what I'm not going to miss. Believe it or not, even though I did this for 30 years. Okay. And I, I think I got a little good at it. So I, I, uh, I think I got the hang of it after a while. Uh, I will never miss that churning feeling in the stomach that you have every single day 
um, that one, you're going to get beat on a story. And two, as the game is ending, that you have to file a story as soon as the game is over, because we all have to do that now for the web. Um, you have to file. The story has to be done when the final out is made and you hit the button and send it. And that, 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 that sick feeling you get in the stomach that I think takes years off your life. Um, and I mean, there are other things I'm going to miss standing around the clubhouse for an hour, waiting to talk for one to one player, you know, is not going to come out because he doesn't want to talk to you, but you can't leave, you know, in the one in a million chance that he does. I'm not going to miss. Um, oh God, if you don't mind me go going off for a second here, I am not going to miss this stupidity of people feeling that if they tweet something five seconds ahead of somebody else, they've beaten them on a story. Oh my God. I hate that. I hate that to, to pieces. I, I, I mean, I watch the draft and this is in every sport. This is not in baseball. This is becoming a rant, not a podcast. I, I hate this in every sport where, you know, the, the guy, the guy is walking from a team is walking up to the commissioner with the card saying who the team is going to draft. And somebody has to say, um, they are going to draft, uh, Joe Smith, uh, ESPN has learned sources tell, <laughs> Oh my God, spare me. Okay. It's not a scoop. Don't spe- You know, it's not a scoop. If the guy's going to say it in 11 seconds, I'm not going to miss that. Uh, you can rant with us anytime, <laughs> please, please. I miss hearing your voice. I thought, I thought I was really kind of calm throughout this whole thing until, until you asked me what I wasn't going to miss. Well, I mean, God, I you you should, if, if that's not calm, you should hear what happens at our radio station. Yeah, oh, I yeah. believe it. Um, Hank, yeah, gosh, great. Like, like Joe said, great to hear your voice, man. And thank you uh, so much for the insight. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'm glad I could, you know, come on this station after years of not being allowed to because of the (laughs) other station. So it's good to (laughs) to talk to you guys. Us too. Us too. Thanks, Thanks, Hank. Hank. All right. All right. Great stuff from Hank Shulman. Long time on the beat, of course. And I think he's got us thinking about a bunch of different things. And uh, and it's time to react. Before we do that, though, a reminder that you're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball, guys. That's Joe Shasky. I'm Mark Willard. We bring you a couple episodes a week. We appreciate you being with us and hope that you rate, review, and subscribe and share with all your friends and family. Okay, a couple things he said. We're going to get to Soto and Judge. I want to put that aside for just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, especially coming out of the Dodgers series, the frustration that has been season-long, I think, is now at a fever pitch. And that is the defense. It's just beyond. It's unacceptable. It's brutal. It's terrible to watch. It feels unfixable. What are you supposed to do about it? Um, A really cool sort of connection that I think Hank just made. Some people are upset about platooning. Others are upset about defense. Hank is telling you they're kind of one in the same. So the platooning has actually been wildly successful if you really want to just calm your jets and look at the last year and a half. The platooning is a big reason why they win more than they lose. However, it is the reason that they keep ending up with the wrong guy in the wrong position in the field. For whatever reason, last year it didn't bite them. And this year... That ball is finding the wrong guy, I mean, every single night. So if you really want to make a great case against platooning, ah, that's the one. When Lamont can't pick up a ground ball and Yermin can't catch a fly ball out in left field, it, it, it's, it's the platooning that leads to that. 
Well, and I, I guess the, the question that I keep coming back to, and this is more theoretical, like last year when Crawford plays 150 games, you've got one of the best defenders in the, in the game, period. Like that's what he was last year. Yastrzemski, I don't care what the bat says. We know the glove is really, really good. He's a plus defender. When you have Buster Posey out there, he's a plus defender. And when Belt plays the 98 games that he does, he's a plus defender. Contrast that with this year, and Longoria played about 80, 85 games last year. Maybe it was more, but he's a plus defender as well. Contrast that this year, Longoria's on pace to play 75 games. Uh, Crawford's on pace for half the amount of games, if not less, than what he played last year. Same thing with Brandon Belt. You don't have Buster Posey, okay? Your defense is suffering. So when I look up on any given day, they'll have maybe one plus defender out there and seven weak guys. And I think that's a case of injuries. And yeah, you could blame it on platooning. Just the roster doesn't have a lot of great defenders right now. Like, is that too simplistic? No, it's not too simplistic. But, but again, when you say, okay, this is not, this is the thing that's so frustrating for me is this is the part of the team that doesn't feel fixable. And this is where there's actually been an organizational failure. This is where. Um, people want to blame it, you know, throw it in all kinds of, in my opinion, incorrect spots. Hank just detailed why their farm system, which has risen for a few years in a row now, how, isn't a little further along than the fans would like it to be. Um, yes, there have been key injuries down there. Yes, the timing of minor league baseball not happening in 2020 was brutal for the Giants. But this is philosophical. The Giants have laid a bet. They laid a bet three years ago, and that is we think that through plus platooning, therefore getting the right player at the plate at the right time against the right pitcher while we're trying to build is a way that we can mask some of our deficiencies in Mm -hmm. the talent department. They have largely been correct. However, the bet they placed was we think if we do that, we can get away with it in the field. And last year they did, and this year they are not. And it's just, it's absolutely soul-crushing for a fan, for a pitcher, when a team simply looks like they can't catch the ball, they can't throw the ball. Um, from a decision-making standpoint, the Dodgers series, for me, I walk away going, why are all of the 0-2 pitches right down the middle? Yeah. Sam Long got away with two balls right down the middle of the plate before the one that Cody Bellinger hit out. These are philosophical approaches that did not burn the Giants last year, and this year they are. And Farhan was asked about this by Susan Slusser, great article in the Chronicle this week, and he actually, that was the one he didn't sort of you know, say, well, wait a minute. What about this? He was like, look, this, this is, this bit us this year. And, and we got to look at, at the bet we made because it didn't work this year. Well, I, I look at someone like uh, Wilmer Flores, who's been a very positive player for the team this year. I don't, I don't want to be mistaken here, but he's not a great defender. And yet he's turned into an everyday player because of all these injuries, because of them having to bandaid everything. Darren Ruff, we know he's not a great defender but he's out there every single day because they don't have any other options. And so, yeah, it just, it feels like to me, they've created a roster which looks really deficient defensively, but a lot like, again, when Belt, Longo and Crawford, three of the best defenders on the team in the NL West, they're barely playing right now. Like, I, 
I'm not trying to cape up for them defensively. They have bad defenders. That is, I, I'm not going to argue that. But the guys that are good aren't playing. And so they're just tough. Like right now, Joey Bart, I feel like he has to play every day strictly because he is the best catcher on the team. Yep. And they're yep. giving up runs when other guys go behind the dish. Well, and again, everything is a gamble. And casinos get built because gambles work out over a long period of time. Yeah. But – Joe from Des Moines can show up and take you from 100 G's in one weekend. And I think the Giants are getting a lot of that served to them this year. Their bet is a good long-term play. If I've got the right guy at the plate at the right time, but there are also going to be days, whether it's based on a defensive replacement that doesn't work out or an injury at the wrong position, where you're going to end up with a lineup where people are going, what, wait, wait a minute. What on earth? So you're going to put all three catchers into the lineup on the same day, right? So that Bart and wins and your mean Mercedes are all in there. Therefore you can't pitch in for them because then you could end up with no catcher. If there was an injury to Bart and you also end up with horrible defense in left field that costs you a game. I think the Giants' point would be, well, Mercedes doubled twice in the game. That's why he yes. was in there. Yes. And we think over the long haul, you're going to catch most fly balls that go out there. This year, though, it's you know it's causing everyone to go, well, last year was lucky. Well, I mean, couldn't somebody just go, then That's, I'm going to call this year unlucky? Can't I? Yeah. Like, isn't yeah. that fair to just fire that back? No, it's it's a great retort back. Look, last year happened. <laughs> like we all saw it. It's the same thing I say about the steroid era. I saw it with my two eyes. It, it happened. And this year it's fallen back down to earth for whatever reason. We can make all the excuses or give explanations. The thing that's hard to swallow as a Giants fan after this series, we feel really outclassed by the Dodgers right now. Really? And I think the the reality is is that they have three almost perfect players. And that start their lineup. Betts leading off, who feels like the modern Willie Mays for, you know, making plays in the outfield, running the bases, the athleticism, the speed, hitting home runs to win games. Trey Turner at shortstop, who replaced Corey Seager, who was also an all-star, which is insane sentence to say. And he's a great base runner. And he's a 300 hitter. And he's a great defensive player. And then they have Freddie Freeman who's got a 330 average and is hitting bombs and is an elite defender, and he can also run the bases. And so it's just – it feels very insurmountable. I'm not even angry. They're at a life cycle where they're at right now, where they're at Golden State Warrior, New England Tom Brady levels, and where the Jets or the Bills in that division. And I feel like everybody wants to panic and spend with them. We got to kind of just stay the course. I, I would love to get Soto. But they got to kind of just stay the course and just keep – taking steps forward. You're not going to catch them with one move. It is a collection of moves over multiple years to be able to compete with them. Well, this is why I think Hank said what he said, and he makes a compelling point. Um, I, I've been saying for a week, uh, look, you know, do you give up a Luciano for a Soto? It's like, well, all you're hoping for is that Luciano someday becomes Soto. So why wouldn't you do that? But Hank makes a really compelling case you're, you're not going to put this fire out with, uh, you know, with a garden hose. You're not going to put this thing out with one player, as you just said. So do you basically gut your organization for Juan Soto? I know a lot of people would say yes, but if it is Logan Webb and Harrison and Luciano and Bednar, I mean, where does it stop? Uh, that's because the question. Then, 
then you're the angels, right? Then yeah. you're, you're Juan Soto and yeah. the oranges. That's what you'd be uh, at least on a Friday night. I, I like, is the answer more to go in the direction of someone like an Aaron judge, because that's just going to cost you money. Yes. And the giants and we, have that well, abundance. No, that's the one resource. If we were just looking at resources that they have that other teams don't necessarily have right now, because of what they've allocated to other players, the Giants have the most amount of war chest money of anyone, at least moving forward, because they don't have anybody on the books. So that's the one thing in terms of resource that they absolutely have a lot of. I don't know how many farm hands they have. Like if you do trade away Harrison and Luciano, then where are you at? I'm not look at we all want Soto. I would love to have Juan Soto. My point that I'm trying to get at is I, I just think that after watching this weekend. One guy is going to help. It's going to get them in the right direction. But it is a multitude of players coming up at once, as well as having some sort of a centerpiece player that makes things easier. And then obviously what you do in the offseason. So that's why now I'm pivoting. And, and Mark, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I love Rodon. I would love for him to sign here. It doesn't feel likely. And if you know that, I feel like you got to at least exercise these options and listen. I mean, I, I understand where, where you're coming from. I really do. Um, I don't know why we all just assume the Giants won't be a part of of trying to keep Rodon. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't like we we sort of just jump to that. Is it because he's because of Gosman? I think it's because of Gosman. But I mean, totally but what the, you know, they basically said let's uh, let's do Rodon instead of Gosman for the exact same price for fewer years. And by the way, they're right. Gosman's been good. Rodon's been better. Much there's, better. There's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. And he's it, it's hard to assess the Gosman pass in the present because what they're essentially saying is we'd love, I guarantee you they would have signed Gosman if he would have done two years. Yeah. What they're saying is we don't want years four and five. So let's talk. I hate doing this, but it, it, it's just real. Like let's, let's assess in 2026 how Kevin, Kevin Gosman looks then. And then you decide whether or not that was a good move. Um, just the mere idea of selling he is now a rental. You don't get a whole lot for rentals. You're totally a game fair. and a half out of the playoffs. I like. I don't want somebody's 14th prospect for Carlos. You Rodon. don't want Jalen Davis. When, you know what I mean? When you're a game and a half out of the playoffs, whether it's going to go somewhere yeah. or not. I, I listen. I'm gonna be the and, and I know this about myself. I'm gonna be the last one to go down with the ship here, and and I'm fine with that because I've watched too many people. In fact, in this sports year i've watched too many people tell me halfway through the 49er season that it was over why are we why are we chasing uh, waterfalls here i watched too many people halfway through the Warriors se season tell me they're not beating the suns that's stupid why are you i've had i've watched it too many times is this team going to catch lightning in a bottle i surely don't think so but it's not worth it yeah. to just completely punt on these guys for somebody's 14th prospect. I'm well, out I'm, on that. Look, the only reason that I'm entertaining it is because somebody might get desperate, the, the Yankees or whomever it is, and, and you just never know. But all things being said, I told you I would like to sign the guy. It's just when I see Boris sitting in the second row at the Dodger game, I'm like, well, that's not, that's, uh, not looking good. I want to ask you another one. The bat has not looked great right now. And I know the bats themselves visually look better. I know you look up the average and the average stinks. It's below 200. I get it. The Joey Bart thing. 
I came to an epiphany. I don't care what he hits the rest of the year. He needs to be behind the plate because defensively, he is so much better than wins or whoever else they're going to put out there. He threw a guy out this week against a team that's extremely athletic. I don't care if his bat struggles the rest of the way and he strikes out 300 times between now and the end of the year. I want to see this guy every single day just figure it out at the big league level because defense alone, he is the best catcher on the team, and I think he works with this staff. I, I don't care about strikeouts anymore with him. I, I, I mean, I'm totally with you because, quite frankly, um, he's now giving you enough to where, you know, he he's – I mean, heck, he's probably – if you just take this last time since coming up, what's it been, yeah. three weeks, four weeks? Yeah. He's probably giving you better than league average play, even on the exactly. offensive side. Uh, when he does get a hold of one, it goes somewhere. It's a damaging hit. This is not somebody who, you know, just is looking for a ground ball up the middle. Uh, he is sending some line drives out to left field. He's going to send a few into the seats. And uh, and his defense is fantastic. So I, I, I think we have, when Kirk Casale is healthy, um, I think we've circled back to the start which is what the plan was at the beginning of the year. I, he's not going to play every day. No catcher does. No, no one uh, does. But he he needs to be the starter. And in six games a week, he plays four. And Casali plays two. And, uh, and, and let him stay and see kind of what you got at the end of the year. This is going to be uh, a real big part of it. And, and yeah, 243 is, uh, is his average since he came back. That's good. Since Casali went down, that's, I mean, go around the league and look at catchers. Hell, go around the league and look at anybody. 238 is the batting average. That's, that's your average baseball player right now. I'll, I'll take 243 for my catcher with power. Yeah, me too. And then I just look at this starting rotation. They got a pretty good start today from Alex Cobb, Alex Wood. I know he left the game early yesterday and, Okay, whatever. But Rodon and Webb, they battled. Uh, they're not the greatest outing from either one of them. They battled Logan Webb. I just I love everything about this guy's makeup and whatnot. Um, the starting pitching leaves a lot to be desired, but I like where they're at right now. They still can compete for this playoff spot. I, I, I just don't think I would blow up in terms of like going to go get something. I don't think there's that magical piece that's going to make them all of a sudden championship favorites. But that doesn't mean that they can't make a smaller move for the rotation, not just for this year, but somebody under team control for next year. I don't know if that move exists, but I'd love to see them acquire that, like a starting pitcher who could be in that four slot. I think that you're going to be disappointed. Uh, this is, this is and, and this isn't an opinion. This is now me just giving you my read on what Farhan has said and the way they view this. By the way, Matthew Boyd, I know that this is just this ghost that's out there. He is back rehabbing. So the idea that he yeah. could start in the second half of the year is out there. Kyle Harrison, did you see the double-A performance the other day? Yeah. He faced 10 batters. He struck out nine of them. Mm-hmm. The only one who didn't strike out walked. And that's like he's been fast-tracked to double-A, and now he's dominating there. I, could he, I think we could see him before the end of the year. Two? Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm with you. I'm I think that's you. where they'll look for depth in, in terms of the rotation. I do think they you will see them add bullpen, and and I would not be surprised if they looked to add some sort of youthful, athletic, right-handed batter who could give them versatility in the infield because from Longoria to Belt to Crawford to La Stella, to not expect more injuries in the second half of the year 
sounds ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, my guess is, and I know that that is just a wildly disappointing sounding deadline. I don't think it's going to include Soto. I think it's going to be more, you know, there's going to be more garlic powder on the bread. And, and then, you know, we'll see if they can sneak into the sixth spot or not. But I do think that more powerful moves, not just will, but have to, have to yeah. come this yeah. offseason. All right, so let me leave you with two positive feelings before we get out of a horrible weekend against the Dodgers. First time that they've lost four to the Dodgers uh, in any series since, I believe, 1995, which is brutal. That's brutal to say out loud. Just remember, a series doesn't start until someone loses at home. Dude, Hasn't what, happened with the Giants and what? Dodgers yet this year. But anyway, go ahead. No, it's an insane stat. Yep. Slater's playing really good. That glove falling over, you know, center field wall notwithstanding. And Darren Ruff is alive and well, okay? Yep. So if I could cling on some kind of hope, I feel better about Joey Bart. I am feeling better about where Austin Slater is in a groove right now. The guy's giving you great at-bats. I don't know how the ball keeps finding down the line, but this guy just keeps getting hits, and Darren Ruff is locked in. I'm confident. They need to absolutely dominate this week. Just get back on track and dominate this week. We won't even think about the Dodgers series. I know, but, you know, like this, when we say that, I know. You know every time we're like, oh, there's a, a soft spot in the schedule. It's like, well, that goes totally sideways. Yeah. Remember when they were going to – I'll tell you One what. One in five on deck. You want to know something to look for that's coming up in the next huh. week and a half is when the Dodgers do come to Oracle, I, 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 I be careful there could be a fight. Oh. That that Doval hit on Mookie Dude. Betts at the end of a four-game yes. sweep, well, whether it was, you know, is his first time he's pitched in a week, was it on purpose? No, no clue. But I do know this. When a team feels like another team is too comfortable, they will throw, but low. They will throw at the hip, not the head, which is exactly what happened. And Mookie has just been an absolute thorn to the Giants. He's killed us. Whether it's fair or not, I promise you the Dodgers are ticked off about that. Well, if you know, there's no doubt. And Roberts and Kapler, something happened with a pinch hitter and a relief pitcher coming in. I didn't catch the whole gist of it. I was trying to keep up. One guy announced who the pitcher was. The other guy didn't announce the pinch hitter. There was some gamesmanship there. And then the third base coach and the Dodger dugout were jarring at each other. The other thing I saw... Doval threw a 98-mile-an-hour cutter in that at-bat to Mookie Betts before that. If he's working on a cutter, thank you, God, because that'll give him a third pitch. He needs all the pitches he can get at this point. Just fewer sliders is all I want. I, I love thank the slider, you. but less of them. Thank Le less you. of them is all, is, is, uh, is all I want. Um, okay, great stuff. Hank was fantastic. Yes. Garlic fries and baseball, guys, two episodes a week. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe for Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. We'll talk to you on Thursday.